Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Today's the last of our Parables series. I hope you've been enjoying it. There's a Jesus was the master storyteller and uh, He told some incredible stories that on the surface were very simple and very practical and for the people that would have been listening to them as He spoke them would have made perfect sense based on the environment around them and the pictures and the experiences that they had. But deep in the parables were messages of the Kingdom of God that uh, were challenging and encouraging all in the one. And so today I'm gonna preach uh, out of Matthew 25. If you've got your Bibles and you wanna follow along, you can look that up right now. But gonna be talking to a parable that for those of us that have been in the church, we've probably heard this a hundred times. Today, I hope that I breathe some new life into it. But more than that, I really believe that there's a challenge in this today that God's gonna speak to a whole bunch of us. And so I encourage you this morning that you just are open to whatever God wants to do in you. Why don't you pray with me before we read together? God, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the challenge of Your Word. Thank You that Your Word brings life. Your Word brings freedom. Your Word brings hope. Your Word gives us uh, something that we can anchor ourselves to and something that we can point ourselves towards. Lord, You you give us words that enable us to flourish and do life well, to love You and to love others and to serve and to find joy. God, I wanna pray this morning as we open Your Word that You would shape us afresh, that You would challenge us anew. God, that we would walk out of this space different this morning to how we walked in. God, give us the the courage to be obedient to whatever it is You wanna speak into us this morning, I pray in Jesus' Name. Amen. Matthew 25, verse 14 to 30. I'm gonna read from the New King James Version this morning. It says this, For the Kingdom of Heaven is like a man travelling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents and look, I've gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, look, Lord, on you, you are a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. So I went and I hid your talent in the ground. There, look, have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. 
You knew that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I've not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I love that, gnashing of teeth. We read about it. I don't know what you picture when you think about gnashing of teeth. It always, in my young mind, used to conjure like people frothing at the mouth and growling. But gnashing of teeth is that experience where you regret something. It's that, you know, you're running up the train platform and you realise that you were just too busy watching TV or updating Facebook or Instagram in the morning and you kept telling yourself, it'll be all right, you'll get there in time, you've got plenty of time and you park and you're racing up the train platform as you see your train pulling out and you realise it's too late and you start to just go, oh. That's what it is to gnash your teeth. Like it is weak, that's a real intense sense of regret. The last servant finishes this story with this deep, intense sense of regret. You know, I chose the New King James Version this morning for, for a particular reason. It still uses the word talents. And talent, we think about gifts and abilities. And so often we talk about this parable as you know, a story about our gifts and abilities, the thing that God has given us. And I'm gonna talk about that a little bit today. And actually the, the word talent in our language, when we talk about someone of talent or he is a great talent or you know, Jordan has great guitar talent or they're a talented footballer, that word actually comes from this biblical story, from this idea of what was originally in the Greek, the word talento which is actually a sum or a unit of money. If you read the NIV version of this, they've translated it bags of gold, which is what it was. But a talent was a unit of money. And so when the landowner goes, he gives each of his servants a unit of money. And a talent is no insignificant unit of money. A talent was worth about 6,000 denarii, which is a unit of uh, currency in Jesus' time, which equated to about 15 or 16 years of labour. See, we just read five, two, one and think one doesn't sound like a lot, but even the one that was given just one talent was given around the value of 15 years labour. It was a significant sum of money. So every character in this story is given something significant. And then the story becomes a question of what do you do with what you're given? So I wanna ask the question this morning, what's it speaking to? Is it a message about our gifts and our skills and our abilities? All of us have talents and therefore the way we use them matters. Well, yeah, I think it is a story about that. But is it more than that? Is it a story about message? Any of us here this morning that are followers of Jesus haven't just been gifted things in how we're being created that we can use to serve each other and build the church and serve our community. We've actually been given a message that's actually the most important message that anyone carries. So is it a story about message? Absolutely. Actually, to the people that this was originally spoken, Jesus, in the context of a whole range of speeches, is talking to religious leaders and as they're spoken of in the Scripture, scribes and Pharisees, people that were given the message of God and God's love and were asked to steward that message. And so Jesus is actually preaching something quite cutting here about how people have stewarded the message that they've been given. 
So it's not just a story about the gifts that we have, it's also a story about the message that we carry. And that's bad news for some of us because we always just thought it was a story about the gifts that we carry and we go, well, we do lots, so we're okay. Well, guess what? It's also a challenge today about what are you doing with the message that you carry? What are you doing with the mission that God's given you? See, this, is, this isn't just a nice story that we go, yeah, if we work hard, it's all good. Because you see, one of the dangers with this story too is we can read it through the lens of, well, Jesus is just saying, if we work really hard, He'll be happy with us. I want us to get something right from the very beginning as we study this parable this morning. These people are already in a relationship with the Lord and they're given something that's a gift of grace. So the end of the story then is about how they stewarded the gift that they were given not how they earned the gift. And we've got to be really careful that we don't turn this into a story that says, you work really hard, God will be pleased, and that's how we earn God's favour. No, it's a story about favour that's already been earned. And then Jesus wants to ask the question, what are you doing with that that God has entrusted you? This is not about what you earn for God, this is about what you do with what God has entrusted to you. So I, this was heard originally by a group of people that had been entrusted something very important by God. And this is part of the narrative right through the Scriptures that God entrusts people with His kingdom work and His kingdom message. God's not just doing it all and we get to come along for the ride and observe that. God actually said, you know, no, no, I want you to go into all the earth and make disciples. I want you to go and feed the poor. I want you to go and love others. This isn't discover God and then sit on your hands and watch what He does. This is actually an invitation into His kingdom work. So who are we in the story? Well, there's a landowner and there's three servants and I wanna focus specifically this morning on the last servant, the one that was given one talent that choose, chose to bury it in the ground. And I actually reckon there's a, a, a message that I wanna bring today that's for all of us. It's actually for our church. So if you're a visitor here today, you can listen in on that and hopefully God calls you to be part of this place and you can participate in that. But if, if you are part and parcel, Gateway Ormo is where God has placed you and where you've called to be and this is your community. Well, I think there's a message in it for us together. But after that, there's also a challenge for us all individually in this this morning. Let me talk for a moment about the corporate message. Earlier this year as a church, we went on a journey of saying, what does the next season look like for us? We've planted a whole bunch of campuses in the last 18 months. Gateway in seven years now has gone from being a single site church with a couple of services on a Sunday to now a five campus or a five site church. It's meeting in all pockets around the southeast corner of Brisbane this morning. And as we looked at what the next season looked like, part of what we believe was we were to consolidate that, but there was also some projects that needed to be taken care of as we move forward. And Ormo is the first new campus seven and a half years ago. And we've been meeting in this school hall for a long time. And so the leaders of our church, the board and our senior leadership team and a whole bunch of others in prayerful consideration said, we believe that what God's saying is part of our next step is to get a permanent presence for the Ormo campus into the future. And everyone cheers at that because that's good news. Come on, like that's good news. Yeah, that's, that's good news. And anyone that's been here since the start, we've been praying that prayer from day one. We never saw ourselves as being the church that existed in the wonderful ambience of the Livingston MPC Hall. And if you, don't, if you think it's great ambience, 
Just hang out for another three months because when the sun starts shining, man, I'll have sweat marks all over me. You guys will have sweat marks all over you. The fans will be going at full tilt and you'll all go, man, this place doesn't carry the ambience. It did three months ago. That's where sacrifice comes in. But you know, we never started a church thinking that we were gonna meet forever in this hall, but we just started where we could and we've been so blessed by the generosity of this school and by this facility that we can use every week. And you know what, we recognise that church isn't about the walls that you put around it, it's about the people that you plant in it. And the church that I'm looking out on today is a pretty good church. Right, but we also know that at the start of this year, we did a journey as a church to say our next step is to find a permanent presence for our almost congregation. Now we know that that doesn't happen overnight. And even if we work really hard and even if everything falls from heaven today, we know there's a couple of year journey between us sitting here today and us sitting in a more permanent facility in our area. And right back when we went through that journey and the whole of the Gateway membership voted that that is the next step and we were gonna borrow some money and we're gonna make it happen, we're gonna start looking for a place and we are looking for a place. Just let me give you that little update. But we just, we knew that that wasn't gonna happen overnight. And as we were going through that journey, I read this passage. I don't know where I was, but I just remember reading this passage. And I just felt God say to me, don't sit on your hands for three years almost. Like, don't look at what three years looks like. Look at what today looks like and the opportunities God puts before us today. Because we can build the most beautiful, aesthetic four-wall church with every mod con in it if we wanted to. We're not going to. But we could do that. And if the people that you placed in it were self-centred and lifeless, it wouldn't matter. Because the beauty of four walls actually fades very, very quickly. All the modern state-of-the-art equipment fades very quickly. All the bright lights and the loud music fades very quickly if the people that inhabit the space aren't living the way God's called them to live. And I don't fear a danger when I look out on us as a congregation that we're gonna do that, but I reckon there's just this place that we can sit in of comfort that says, I can't wait until that happens. Wait and see what happens when that happens. We're not gonna grow a church because we get a great facility. We're gonna grow a church because tomorrow we wake up as God's people and say, what is it you got for us today, Lord? And so my challenge for us corporately out of this is we don't bury what God's given us and wait for the next chapter to arrive because it's not gonna arrive tomorrow. We actually take whatever it is that's God given us and when we walk into that place, God willing one day and and who knows where and what it looks like, I can't wait to see it all materialise. But when we walk into that, we're gonna walk in with the momentum of God's Spirit at work amongst us. There'll be people that will walk into that that will call Gateway All My Home that aren't sitting with us today because they don't yet know that there's a great community of people that God's gonna link with them. They're gonna help them discover who He is. That doesn't happen in three years time, that happens today. So church, there's a little bit of a prophetic word that I believe God's kind of asked me to give us. So we look to our future, we don't bury what God's given us now. We run into our future with a new momentum of today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, continuing to be faithful to the things He's called us to. We're gonna be that church? Awesome. Thank you for the grace, everybody here that might be visiting us today or checking us out or only been here five minutes. That was just a message that we've been carrying for a long time. But 
Now let me invite you back into the conversation because I've got something I want to challenge us all with this morning because this parable doesn't just have a corporate challenge. It has an individual one. And again, I want to focus on the servant that took the one talent. And again, we think one, but think significant treasure that was given to him and entrusted to him and chose that the best thing for him to do with it was dig a hole and bury it in the ground. Now we read that story and think, what a goose. But let me ask you the question. Why is it that we bury the treasure that God gives us? Because I wanna suggest this morning that all of us at some point in our life and some of us right now are confronted with the thought of burying that which God has given us. Maybe it's been buried for a long time, we just haven't realised that we buried it. Well, this morning I reckon God wants to challenge some of us in the midst of that. So why do we bury our treasure? There's four things I wanna say about that today and the first is this. The first comes straight from the passage, it's fear. You know, some of us carry incredible gifts that God has given us. Let me talk about our talents for a minute, our gifts, our abilities, our skills. God has invested in all of us Every single one of us here today, there's something that's been created in you and invested in you that is different from everyone else here. Some of you have an incredible capacity to show compassion. And you have a patience of sitting with people that just want to, kind of, for the rest of us, we, we're three minutes in and we're done, we're out, our minds wandered somewhere else. Some of you have an incredible compassion to walk the journey of life with those that are doing it tough. Some of you here today have an incredible gift of hospitality. When you open up your house and you lay food on your table, you can put like fairy bread and sausages, but there's something about the environment that you create that people just want to be there. You just carry this gift of hospitality. Some of you are incredibly organised. And you look at everyone else's mess and people are going, I've tried for years to get this organised and they give you five minutes about it and you've got everything in piles and in you know, rows and in spreadsheets. And like if anyone's got a gift and wants to take my 20 year computer system of any gateway 20 years and help find some order to that, mate, you have an extra spiritual gift of administration. But some of you are incredibly organised. No, I'm not gonna let you do that. <laughs> Burn the computer first, I reckon. <laughs> Some of you are just great with young people. Some of you just know how to speak the language of young people. Some of you just, your presence attracts young people. And you don't even look that cool. You don't even look that young, but there's just something magnetic about you that just, they just wanna be with you. Some of you are just skilled with your hands. Like you, you just have the capacity to think practically and pragmatically and logically and you just build stuff and you're just incredibly good with your hands. Some of you, I just go to care. Like, I could go on. Not being discriminate in my list. I could go on, but I want to say one thing this morning. Every single person here this morning carries some gifts that God has given you that have always been part of how you've been formed and that God has kind of breathed life into as you've grown. And We're all different, we're all unique, but we all carry a gift that God's given you. Some of us have got some gifts right now though that no one else has been blessed by. And the reason others aren't being blessed by them isn't that we're not good at what we do, but we fear. we're just carrying this crippling fear. Fear does a couple of things to us. I'm no psychologist, but I know from my own experience that fear either causes us to run or to freeze or to start swinging. But we won't talk about that one this morning. Fear often causes us to run or to freeze. You know what both those things do? They actually stop us moving forward. And some of us are, 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 have frozen with fear. 
We've got to a point in our life where we just don't wanna take the next step because we fear what the next step looks like. We don't wanna start serving in a particular area or let other people experience the gifts that we sense are within us because we just, there's just this crippling fear that keeps us stagnant. And some of us have a really crippling fear of failure. You know that fear that says, what happens if I step out and I fail? The servant in this story says, I know that you're a harsh taskmaster to the landowner. And so I was afraid. And so I went and just buried it in the ground. Some of us just have this fear. What happens if we step out? And what happens if we fail? What happens if I feel a nudge one day to pray for somebody that God might heal them, but what happens if God doesn't heal them? So what do we do? We just stand still. We never step out. We never take a risk. What if some of us need to hear this morning that I reckon God's okay with us having to go and getting it wrong? Just, I reckon God's okay with us having to go and getting it wrong. I love my grass. I love my grass. I don't let anyone mow my grass. My grass doesn't look that good at the moment because of the drought, but I know at some point it's gonna be good for one of my kids to mow my grass and I'm gonna have to let them get it wrong. But I'm gonna be okay with that because how do we learn sometimes? By having to go. Some of us are crippled by the fear of failure. Some of us are crippled by the fear of ridicule. What if I open my mouth and I muck it up? What if people think I'm crazy or stupid or laugh at me? Some of us have a crippling fear of rejection. What if I step out and others don't like me? What if I preach my first sermon and someone doesn't like me or I say something wrong or I get the theology mucked up or, or, or like I'm sure all those things went through James's head last week, but he still stood on this stage and preached, I think, the most podcasted message of Gateway Ormo in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just feeling a little rejected in that, okay? So if you can all listen to my sermon, I don't care if you listen to it, but just put it on repeat in your car this week so the numbers build online because... <laughs> Come the end of year staff award dinners, I really want to take out the most listened to podcast award of 20. We don't do that, okay? We don't do that. If anyone thinks we're that vain, we don't do that. <clears throat> we do look though, no. Some of us fear rejection. Some of us fear getting it wrong. Some of us fear pain. I want to suggest this is a big one for some of us today. We've actually had a go in the past and got shot down. And so we're not sure we want to go again because it hurts and it hurts. And we still carry some of the scars and the wounds from the last time we stepped out in faith to do something God called us to. I actually wonder if for some of you this morning, the thing that's caused you to bury the thing that God's entrusted you with, whether it be the message that you carry or whether it be the gifts and the talents and the abilities that you have, is you're just crippled by fear. I reckon God wants to do something fresh in you this morning and just give you the encouragement of His Holy Spirit to say, have a go again. We as a church, we're we're a good church, I reckon. I'm I'm biased, but I reckon we're a good church. But I guarantee we're better when everybody does their thing. Because when everybody that's got a gift of compassion starts exercising their gift of compassion amongst this group of people in our community, guess what, we're a better church for it. When everybody that's organised starts organising the rest of us that aren't organised, we're better for it. When everybody that loves to pray and sit in prayer with people 
starts to find time to do that, we're better for it. When people that are gifted in hospitality start showing up, we're better for it. When people that have got a gift of worship, we're better for it. So we're a great church, but I reckon God wants us to be a better church because there's some of you right now that aren't exercising your gifts in the context of this community. And until you do, guess what? They're gonna have to put up with lesser lights that fill the gaps, that don't really feel called to particular things, but they're just doing it because someone's got to do it. And they're just really sitting back waiting for someone else to go, guess what? This is my thing. Let me at it. If you're sitting here this morning thinking there's no opportunities for me here, you're actually looking, I guarantee you'll be looking at a bunch of people that are doing the thing that they're doing because no one else is right now and they're just waiting for you to stick their hand up and going, man, I love cooking food for people when they're doing it tough. And all the people that are cooking food for people that are doing it tough and hate are just going, oh, thank the Lord, there's somebody else. And everyone that receives the food says, I've had a lot of pasta and meatballs and Pasta and mints and they're great meals, but man, somebody bought me a chicken dish. Variety, see? If, if the great passion in your life is to cook pasta and mints for people, do it until the day that you leave this earth and bless people with it. Whatever it is. We'll be better when we all step away from our fear. Do what it is God's called us. The second thing that causes us to bury our treasure, and this one's gonna cut a bit deeper, is laziness. Laziness. Laziness is not about how busy we are because some of us have made an art form about being busy, being lazy. Laziness, when I grew up, used to be pictured or captured in the picture of a guy by the name of Norm who used to be on these ads called the Life Be In It ads and Norm just sat on his recliner, watched TV and ate hot chips. Who remembers Norm? Yeah, I don't reckon Norm is the picture of laziness anymore. I think the picture of laziness is probably those of us that have completed every level of Candy Crush Saga, Minecraft, Fortnite and every other game that just... Laziness isn't just a picture of doing nothing. Laziness is sometimes a picture of doing the things that distract us from doing us the things that we should do. Yeah, some of us are using busyness as an excuse for a lot of things. We get busy mastering activities that have no value to ours or others' lives. And I'm not saying that any of those things are bad. Sitting on your couch occasionally, putting your feet up, pulling out your phone, playing a game. You know what? God actually values downtime and rest and refreshment and recuperation. But I wonder where the line is for some of us. Well, you know, I hear it all the time. I've got no time for that. I've got no time for that. I've got no time for that. But some of us have become professionals at actually wasting time doing nothing or doing a lot of stuff that actually has no value. I reckon laziness is one of the greatest challenges for us. Some of us have buried our treasure because we're lazy. Oswald Chambers writes this, we are all capable of being spiritually lazy saints. We wanna stay off the rough roads of life and our primary objective is to secure a peaceful retreat from the world. The real danger in spiritual laziness is that we do not wanna be stirred up. All we wanna hear about is the spiritual retirement from the world. Yet Jesus Christ never encourages the idea of retirement. He says, go and tell my brethren. Uh, What's he saying? That there's a whole bunch of Christians that just want the easy life. They just wanna consume faith. They want others to do the hard lifting and the hard work for them. But Jesus doesn't say it's gonna be easy following Him, does He? He says there's gonna be a cost to following Him. And a cost means there's sometimes pain. And a cost means there's sometimes discomfort. And a cost means there's sometimes you go without. Let me just lay it out there. So if anyone's telling you another story, you've heard it differently from me. If you sign up to following Jesus because you want the easy life, you've signed up for the wrong thing. 
But if you sign up to follow Jesus because you want the greatest adventure that life can offer, well, you've signed up for the right thing. And some of us have buried our treasure just because we're lazy. We don't want to think about what effort it's going to take to do anything else. Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica and he says this, In the Name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle, or in other translations, lazy, and does not live according to the teachings you've received from us. And he then goes on to say, because we showed you that you should work hard for what you have. And really what Paul's saying is that, that churches can get filled with people that do nothing but have an opinion on everything. That's really what Paul says. And he says, churches can get distracted from their mission because of idle, lazy people that love to argue about stuff that has no value, but actually just waste the time of the church getting on with the mission that God's called us to. Your laziness is one of the great reasons that we bury our treasure. I wonder if it's some of our challenge today. Challenge number three, priorities. This is what I wanna call the when-then principle. The when, then principle. Have you ever said to God, when I do this, then I'll do that. When this happens, then I'll come. And when that is achieved, then Matthew chapter eight, Jesus is talking to a bunch of people and He says this. When Jesus saw the crowd around Him, He gave orders to cross the other side of the lake. Then the teacher of the law came out and said, teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay His head. And another disciple said to Him, and I've highlighted this, Lord, first let me bury my father. Lord, first let me. Let me talk about the first let me moments. We read this and we go, Jesus, that is very harsh. But if you dig into the context of this, what the second guy is asking probably isn't let me go to my dad's funeral. It's probably, Jesus, first let me go home and deal with all my family business. You know, family and, and passing on things to the generations really mad. And so probably what the second guy was asking was, Jesus, not, I've got to go to Dad's funeral. I don't think Jesus is saying, no, don't go and show compassion to your family. What He's saying is, Jesus, I've actually got a whole list of things I need to get done back at home. And when I've sorted that and, and the mantle's been passed to me and my generation, well, then I'll come and follow you. How many of us are using the Jesus let me first excuse right now for not living the life that God's called us to? Maybe you're saying this, Jesus let me first finish my study. And then once I've got the knowledge and the expertise, then I'll find a way to utilise what you've given me to serve you. Well, why don't you start becoming an apprentice now so that what you do externally actually starts to feed into the things that God wants you to do in His kingdom. Maybe some of you are like, Jesus, first let me just get this journey of family finished. You know, when my kids are old enough to dress themselves, make their own bed, brush their own teeth, put their own seatbelt on, drive themselves to church, well, then I'll have the time to do what you want me to do. Jesus, just first let my kids get sleeping routines in line with church time. Five kids in, it doesn't happen. There's a cost to doing church with young kids. But if you, say to, if you say, God, just well, first then let me get that sorted, you'll be waiting for 20 years before you got time because I'm still waiting for him to work out how to do all those things in order and the right way and without being asked. I've been on staff at Gateway for 20 years. For 17 of those, or nearly 17 of those, families been a, kids have been a reality in the midst of trying to serve Jesus. And it's hard work some days. But some of us here just are using the first let me excuse around our families. 
What about, first just let me pay off the house. First just let me become financially secure. Lord, I've got a few more goals to kick and once I get them sorted, I'm gonna have to work really, really hard for the next few years. Some of you have been saying that for 20 years and you're still no closer to the goal and you're still telling God that He just needs to wait a little bit longer till you can actually do the things that He wants you to do. First, let me tick off the 10-year plan. First, let me establish my business. First, let me become spiritually mature. Some of us have buried our treasure because our priorities say, well, God, I'll unbury it one day once I've done my thing. What if God wants to do His thing in you in parallel from the other things that He's actually gifted you with and called you to? What if He wants to give you a capacity that you don't even see in yourself right now to be part of stewarding both the message and the gifts that He's given you for the sake of His kingdom? Some of you have been saying the first let me thing since you were 18. For some of you, that was three weeks ago. For some of you, that was 20, 30, 40 years ago. Because there's always something else that's gonna come and strive to get your attention. Maybe your challenge today is the challenge of priorities. First, let me. And God says, just pick up what I've given you and get going. Finally, Fourth reason I think we bury our treasure is, again, I think pretty implicit in the passage. It's, it's the challenge of comparison. I only got one talent. He got two talents. He got five talents. And so even though guy number one is standing there holding 15 years worth of gold, he can't help but notice guy number two is holding 30 years worth and guy number one is holding 75 years worth of talent. How many of us look and think there's no space for me, that I'm not needed? Because what I got's not really as valuable as what he's got. I mean, James, he can preach. We've discovered that now. He can worship lead. He's pretty organised. And he plays a pretty wicked electric guitar in church. Who loves it when there's electric guitar in worship? Sorry if you don't, I do, and you just have to get over that. Just to <laughs> turn it up. Anyway. And he can grow a full head of hair. <laughs> I mean, I can't grow a head of hair. I can't play electric guitar. Man, I'm not organised, but I can preach. I only got one talent. But God, someone else has got two talents. Therefore, what I've got doesn't matter. And I reckon Jesus picks the talent because He wants to say everyone was given something of great value. And it doesn't matter who you are today, you carry something. God has given you something. And we do this thing where we compare our thing to someone else's thing and determine whether it's worth even investing what we've got. But, but those things only matter in a worldly sense anyway. Like the bags of gold that they carried only carried value in a worldly sense. The, the thing that mattered at the end, like servant two and servant Three, the one that had two bags and the one that had five bags, the master didn't come back and say, what have you got? Oh, you've only got four. Oh, you've got 10. No, no, the master came back and said, what did you do with what I gave you? 
You invested it wisely. Well done, good and faithful servant. You took the two that I gave you and you turned it into four. Come and be blessed and experience all my joy. What did you do with the five that I gave you? You know, God's never gonna judge you against someone else. God's not gonna judge your marriage against someone else's marriage or your parenting against someone else's parenting or the amount that you put in the bucket against someone else's amount that they put in the bucket or how many hours you give in serving or how good you are at articulating the Scriptures or whether you've ever preached the message or worship led or stood in the blue shirt. God will never compare you to anyone else. But it also means that when you stand before Him and give account for your life, you can't blame everybody else. You've got to own your thing. And unless you stop comparing yourself to everybody else, you will never have the joy of seeing what God can do when He takes even just the little bit that we bring. Forget 15 years worth of labour. Think two loaves of bread and a couple of fish. Think about Moses that couldn't speak. Imagine that church get really excited, bring all his friends. Moses is coming to bring the message today and he's useless on stage. <laughs> what is it God's given you? Because if you bring it, no, don't bring it, no one else can bring it for you. So stop looking at what everyone else has got and what everyone else does and what everyone else has been blessed by and what other gifts everyone else has getting. and just say, well, God, what's the thing that you've given me? Because whatever you've given me, I wanna use it for your glory. And I know that if I give it, you'll take it and you'll multiply it and you'll do something incredible with it and I'll get to be a passenger in your story. I get the band to come and join me this morning. We're gonna land this. Wow, everyone just thought the parable of the talents was a nice feel-good message about use the gifts that God's given you. Well, my message this morning is stop burying your treasure. Stop burying your treasure. What's the bottom line of this whole thing? It's about to call for prayer. Barry's already down here. He's been so convicted this morning that I know. <laughs> What's the bottom line? Be faithful with whatever you have. You can download that. It's your wallpaper for this week. If you've been following that, you can jump in and put it on your phone and just be reminded that call from today's message is be faithful with whatever you have. Whatever you've got is different from what everyone else has got. And unless you bring it, no one else can bring it for you. But if you're here, a follower of Christ, God has entrusted you, not just with a life-changing and eternity-transforming message, He's also entrusted you with some gifts and some abilities that He wants to use to build His church, to further His kingdom, to reach out to people that are lost, hurt and broken. And if you don't bring it, I can't bring it for you. No one else here can bring it for you. You can only bring it yourself. And maybe the thing that stopped you is fear. Maybe the thing that stopped you is laziness. Maybe the thing that's stopping you right now is you've got some other priorities that God wants to get His voice into and say, okay, well, you know, maybe I've called you to do some stuff in parallel. Or maybe you're just spending your whole life comparing yourself to somebody else. They're a better Christian. They're better at doing that. Look at, they're better looking. They're smarter. They're more articulate. They've got more time. They seem to do this so much easier. Oh, I've got nothing to give. Yeah, you do. And I'm going to be richer for it. You're going to be richer for it. Our church is going to be richer for it. The Ormo community is going to be richer for it. Your family is going to be richer for it. Why? Because when we step into the space of taking whatever it is that God's given us 
and saying, God, I don't care how small, how big, I'll just, I'm gonna do something with it. Teach me what to do with it. I'm gonna take some risks. I'm gonna invest it in some places I've never thought of, but will you use it for your glory? Will you use it for your glory? This isn't about earning God's favour. This is about taking the incredible gift that He's already handed you and being on the faithful adventure of kingdom building with Jesus. You'll never regret it. Father God, I wanna thank You for the challenge of Your Word. May all of us this morning hear what we need to hear. Would we take the things that You've given us Maybe for some of us today, we haven't even acknowledged that some of the gifts we've got in life are God-given gifts. We just know there's some stuff we do and we're good at it. But God, You don't call us to be self-centred, You call us to be other-centred. And the reason You invite us to use the gifts that we have and to speak the message that we carry is that You wanna give us the privilege of being part of seeing Your Kingdom grow, seeing lives transform seeing church continue to grow and establish here in this community. See people blessed, the hungry fed, the broken healed. That's who you've called us to be. Put your finger on the thing for any of us this morning that have been burying that. I pray in Jesus' Name. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We're a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.